Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another episode of Warren Family Letters Home. My name is Lauren Muse, and I have a passion for history and genealogy, looking beyond the names and dates to who people were and where they were at certain points in time. We're going to continue our World War II series looking at letters written by U.S. servicemen. I've obtained the letters from antique stores and auctions, and these podcasts not only share the letter, but look at who the serviceman was and about what he was doing at the time he wrote the letter. It's my hope that someone will hear the podcast and recognize a family connection with one of these heroes and contact me. These letters home belong home with descendants to cherish and show with pride. Our next letter was written by Lieutenant James Hazen Hardy, Jr., U.S. Navy. James Hazen Hardy, Jr. was born on October 15, 1903, in New York. He was the only child of James Hazen, Sr. and Emma Hardy. James Sr. was in medical school to become a dentist when he married Emma in 1902. An interesting note about Emma, on December 9, 1900, she had both of her legs broken in a terrible train accident in Philadelphia where a boxcar jumped the tracks and derailed a coach car. There were 20 people injured in that accident. In the 1925 census of New York City, we find the family living in an apartment building. James Sr. is listed with the occupation of a dentist, and James Jr., at 22 years old, is attending school. That same year, James Jr. graduated from Columbia College. He went on to Harvard Law School and completed work for a doctorate at the Wharton School in Finance and Industry. In 1929, James Jr. married Isabel Rapp in Philadelphia, and on the 1930 census, the couple is noted as having a home in Havertown, Pennsylvania. James Jr.'s occupation is recorded as being an attorney. In 1931, they welcomed their first child, James III, and in 1934, they welcomed their daughter, Judith. The 1940 census doesn't show too much changing, except James Jr.'s place of employment is noted as a lawyer in the legal department of a trust company. It does state that his salary at the time was $4,000, which today would equate to about $85,000 per year. On February 16, 1942, at age 38, James registered for the draft. He is described on his registration card as five foot nine, 190 pounds, blue eyes, brown hair, and a light complexion. 
we find James enlisted in the U.S. Navy and stationed at Quonset Point, Rhode Island from February 23, 1943 to June 9, 1943. Quonset Point was a U.S. Naval training facility where recruits received training in specialized fields. James received training in radar. On June 27, 1943, James was transferred to Argus, Argus, Port Hunimi, California, excuse my pronunciation here, where training continued until October 4, 1943. He was assigned to Argus Unit 15, and his overseas duty began in the Pacific Fleet Radar Center, Oahu. The Argus program trained men for elite amphibious combat teams, able to land in potentially hostile territory and rapidly deploy radar and radio communications equipment, allowing for interception and prevention of enemy air and surface attacks on allied Pacific bases. The name Argus came from the mythological Greek monster with a hundred eyes and was also chosen to symbolize the all-seeing radar of the Argus units. Apparently, the movement of Unit 15 was a confidential matter. In the muster rolls that I found, his unit was put on the USS Wunga Point CVE-94, but there are missing dates from there. I did find on a website, um, argusunits.com, that, that there were declassified records that show Argus Unit 15 actually departed Port Hunami, aboard the USS President Polk, October 1943. And further, in 1944, the Argus Position Report indicates that Unit 15 was located in the Marshall Islands performing combat duty. But a now declassified report, titled Status of Naval Aircraft Service Units in Pacific Area, which was dated October 1, 1944, indicated that Unit 15's location was actually Tinian from July 1944, and the unit showed as scheduled to be relieved and decommissioned about November 1st. And navigating all of these dates, I believe it was as the unit was readying for the move to Tinian that Lieutenant Hardy wrote a letter home to his wife. It's a rather lengthy letter, and some parts are very personal. So I've chosen excerpts to share in this podcast. Saturday, June 3rd, 1944, to Mrs. J. Hazen Hardy, Jr., Manoa, Pennsylvania. My darling, today is Judy's birthday. I know you will make it a happy one for her. What a wonderful memory the children will have when they look back upon the many things their dear mother did for them to make them happy. We're not very busy right now. Our equipment is all packed, ready for loading. I had all my personal gear packed in a kid bag and a parachute bag. There are just odds and ends of no particular value in the sea chest. I could really just discard it here. I may keep it as a convenient storage receptacle. It looks like a couple more weeks, but will probably be twice that time en route. It's really nothing to get excited about. By the time we get there, things should be pretty well secured. After all, as I've mentioned, before the equipment we have is too valuable to risk unnecessarily. There will probably be raids, 
But as I was speaking to Joe the other day from Unit 16, they had 36 raids, some large but most small, and not one man was scratched. If you dig a good foxhole and get in it, you're well protected against anything except a direct hit. We expect to be well dug in and camouflaged and away from the usual bombing objectives. So all in all, things should work out all right. Today, I went into town to the Fleet Rec Center and picked up an excellent selection of books, about 200 in all for our unit. Among them were the collections of poems of Robert Frost. I shall enjoy them immensely. I found Alice in Wonderland. I shall make another attempt to read that. The great difficulty in writing letters is to have something to write about. Life here, as elsewhere, eventually devolves into a routine, which once described bears no interest in repetition. Then there are the censorship restrictions, which circumscribe to a great extent what can be said. Good night, my sweet. All my love and hugs to Jim and Judy. As I mentioned earlier, Lieutenant Hardy and Argus 15 were headed for Tinian. Tinian is an island located in the northern part of the Mariana Island chain. It's about 1,600 miles from Japan and was in Japanese control from about the time of World War I. The U.S. had selected various islands in the island chain to capture in order to set up air bases to launch attacks into Japan. The objective to capture Tinian began when the Marines began the assault July 24th and they claimed victory on August 1st, 1944. In the confusion of documentation of Argus Unit 15's movement, I'm not sure exactly their arrival on Tinian, but the USS Polk is documented at being in the Battle of Tinian. Once a foothold was made on the island, a selected section of the Argus Unit, known as the First Echelon, Deploy, over, deploy ashore, carrying radios, portable radars, and the basic needs of, of equipment. These first elements of the Argus units took over parts of the fighter direction role from the destroyers at sea and become the chief component in detecting and warning of approaching enemy air and service attacks. As the invading forces position gained strength, and became secure against counter-offensive attacks from any enemy forces still present, the assault stage transitions to the development stage. Once Tinian was in Allied control, the Seabees went to work on construction of the world's largest air bases. On the Tinian North Field, they built four 8,500-foot runways and two similar runways built a few miles southwest. Part of the base would have been devoted to the radar and radio communications that would be manned by Argus personnel. They would have been manning the equipment during raids to Japan and also would have guided Colonel Paul Tibbets on and off the island for his flight in the Enola Gay on August 6, 1945. Japan surrendered. On September 2nd, 1945, an Argus Unit 15 returned to Pearl Harbor, where they were discharged in November 1945. 
James Hazen Hardy Jr. returned to his home in Pennsylvania, and on the 1950 census, he is noted as being a law professor in a private college. His wife, Isabel, is noted to be a history teacher, also at a private college. On December 6, 1984, James Hazen Jr. passed away, leaving his wife, two children, and four grandchildren. His obituary was published on December 9th in the Philadelphia Inquirer. J. Hazen Hardy Jr., 81, a lawyer, law professor, school board member, and arbitrator, died Thursday in his home in Penn Valley. Mr. Hardy became a professor of business law at the Temple University School of Business Administration in 1945 and was department chairman from 1950 through 1971. He was a lecturer in finance and investments for the Philadelphia chapter of the Institute of Banking. He was named Emeritus Professor of Business Law at Temple University and given the Limbach Award for Outstanding Teaching. He served on a panel of arbitrators for municipal court and was affiliated with the National Academy of Arbitrators. He also belonged to the American Society and the American Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, and Federal Bar Associations. He was a school director of the Havertown Township School District and past president of the Manoa PTO. He was also a founder of the Manoa Community Library. A 1925 graduate of Columbia College, Mr. Hardy received his law degree at Harvard Law School and completed work for his doctorate at the Wharton School in Finance and Industry. A lieutenant in the Navy during World War II, he served more than three years as a radar officer in the Pacific. Mr. Hardy is survived by his wife and two children. James Hazen Hardy, Jr. is buried in the West Laurel Hill Cemetery. At the time of his death, the family had asked that in lieu of flowers that people make a donation to the charity of their choice. Perhaps to honor Mr. Hardy, you could do the same. Or maybe pick up a copy of Alice in Wonderland to read. All details in this podcast were discovered by research done by me using military, genealogy, and newspaper research sites. The original letter written by Mr. Hardy was obtained by me through an auction site. If you are related to Mr. Hardy or know of the family, please contact me at warrenfamilyoutlook.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Warren Family Letters Home. Please stop by and like and follow us. And of course, share the podcast. The more we share, the better our chances at getting these letters back to family. As always, please support our military, both active and veteran status. These men and women sacrifice to protect our country and its ideals, whether it's war or peacetime. Their sacrifices should never be forgotten. Until next week, this is Lauren Muse, and you've been listening to Warren Family Letters Home. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.